It's that time of the week again. It's that time when the latest episode of Digital Kill the Radio Star drops. Drop! It's time to waste another hour or so with David and Chris as they spout out more of their worthless music knowledge. It's time to hear them discuss the music of their youth. As well as the music of today. So kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Digital Kill the Radio Star starts right now. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. And this is one of my favorite episodes that we do every year. It's where I get to tell Chris he has bad taste in music, and, and I'm like David Frick. All of my stuff is absolutely perfect. How are you, Chris? Um, trying to think of how I can pick apart these lies that I was just told. Um, Hashtag I'm facts. good. I'm, I'm, I'm doing really well, man. Hey, uh, I will say, though, this one I think is going to be more commonality than we're used to. But I, anyway. I, I know. It's a sign that the world is coming to end. Not that, a, <laughs> not, not that a glacier is melting in Antarctica. It's you and I agree on about 30% of our picks. Yeah, I know. It is crazy. So uh, well, we, we just got through the holiday season, and we waited a little bit to put our episode out because everybody else was putting theirs out a couple of weeks ago. And so, um, oh, hey, I wanted to tell you. So I was looking at a article about how to judge your podcast, if it's successful or not, by how many downloads you get in the week. Congratulations. We're in the top 10% in the world. Hey man, that's really good to hear. Yeah, that really is. Um, I think this is time to thank anybody that's listening to a couple of music dorks. And, uh, that, that tells us too, we ought to ramp it back up. Yeah. We don't do this much. We're, uh, you know, we did it a lot the first year, second year, but the last, I, I guess, over the last year and a half or so, we've, we've, uh, we've toned it down a bit and we probably ought to step that up because I, I do in, enjoy doing this. Um, let's think of some ideas. To me, the, the, the interviews, I, I love getting the interviews. I love that. Like, so it's really interesting. We do some of these interviews and some of them, I get probably 65, 70% you get. And, and a, lot, a lot of times, like, I to, like I've told you in the past, you know, <clears throat> I've been lucky with State of America to get all those Crows guys and everything that I really like. So I, I, on this one, I'd rather focus on people that, you know, you really like. So Dave Hawes, you know, I've listened to his stuff. It's fine. And, you know, it never just like completely grabbed me or anything. But his interview was absolutely fascinating. Um, just like the uh, Kevin Martin one of Candlebox. I think the Kevin Martin one of Candlebox is, I think that's the best one we've done. I love that one. And for me, I go, and it's funny, we have a, a a close mutual friend who said that that one is his number two, and his number one is my number one, and that's Joey Z of Life of Agony. And I think they were both 
here's the cool thing about 2021. We may not have had a lot of interviews. Hell, we didn't even do a lot of podcasts. But we had, in 2021, we had Joey Z of Life of Agony, who, one of my favorite, all-time favorite bands. We had Kevin Martin of Candlebox, and we had Dave Hawes. And all three were, man, I mean, we've done probably 10, 15 interviews, and I'd say they're all three in the top five. Oh, yeah. For sure. They were great. All three of them, I think, were excellent. And... And just the cool thing about it is I walked away from each interview thinking I don't just like these guys' music, but they're good people. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I really felt that way. And, man, what what better thing is there than somebody that you love their work and you think, man, they're a good dude too. Yeah. I I just – the Kevin Martin, when I feel like if when we go see him, say, hey, we're the Ole Miss guys, he'll buy us a beer. Uh, You know (laughs) – I think you're probably right. And I think that, um, you know, the cool thing is like, think about Dave Hawes. He said at the end of it, Hey guys, when am I going to see you? Yeah. So, you know, he's going to be the same way. Joey Z told me to text him and keep in touch. I know. It's like, I, I was telling my wife the other night, um, we interviewed Johnny Colt of the Black Crows, and he you know, he was the, on the first five out al- four or five album. Well, he was on the band, which wasn't officially released. He was on all those albums. He quit the Crows when he got sober. He went and played with Train during their heyday. Uh, invested a, t- a lot of money in in a lot of different ventures, and you know just kind of plays for something to do. Was in Leonard Skinner for five or six years, and uh, he gave us his first interviews. First time he talked about the Black Crows since nineteen ninety eight, and he and I've just hit it off and. The other day I'm driving down the road and he just called me to chat and it's stuff like that. I look at my wife and go, I mean, if you did, first of all, if you had told me in 1992, I was going to be legit, legit friends with Todd Poole, I would have laughed at you, Same here. you know, and then, you know, you're sitting here, you know, Joey Z's texting you and Dave Hall's complimented us, you know, and, and stuff like that. And we kind of pride ourselves on not giving people the same interview and, you know, a little bit of how the sausage is made. About 80% of our interviews, Chris formats them and comes up with most of the questions. So I, I guess most of the success of the interviews can go to you. Well, I appreciate that. But you know the, the cool thing when you're talking about this, us, getting, us having these interviews and having these somewhat personal relationships was, I don't, think, I don't know if we ever talked about this on the podcast. You and I did, of course. But Joey Z, like, he, he forgot that person family issue he had going on and he forgot and it looked like he stood us up and he called me the next morning after we had both taken off work (laughs) yeah he called me the next morning driving to work and he calls me and hey chris it's joey is is, is, this is the funny part it wasn't joey z he chris it's uh it's joey zampella you know joey z i was like what world am I living in? <laughs> you know, Joey Z, I mean, the guy that was everything to me, go back to like 1998, and I'm talking to the guy. So it, it's really cool. And uh, we, and I will say this too, David and I need to be a little bit more aggressive and try a little bit harder to get these interviews because I, I don't know, man. You, I don't know that every one of these guys, when we, when we talk to them, 
like when everybody else interviews these guys, are they saying the same things? Are they saying how great it was? And are they saying, Hey, let's get together. Maybe they are, but I feel like they appreciate our interviews. They do. I think they do. I mean, like when we interviewed that guy from Exodus, you know, we got done. He goes, that may be the best interview anybody's ever given me. You know, you asked him about some country thing. And I remember he goes, I've never been asked about that. You know, the, my best part about that goes, I go, ladies and gentlemen, Jack Gibson from Exodus. And I didn't say another word, <laughs> but I still, I still think our, our all time, what in the world is going on here moment is when we wound up backstage with blind melon eating barbecue with their family. Yeah, their that, that was, that, that was, that was crazy. Crazy. Cool. Yeah. But it, it just, I don't know. It's, it's like I said, something we more of, and it's, um, it's been really cool to see the human side of these people. And I think we need to do more. And this is not where I thought we were going to begin this podcast talking 10, 20 minutes. And it almost sounds like we're patting each other on the back. We know we suck, but we're just trying to entertain. <laughs> All right. So Chris, in my opinion, the mark of a, the mark of a real man is they can admit they're wrong. Yeah. And I'm going to have to admit I'm wrong about something. <clears throat> I have slagged and goofed on the Foo not goofed on them, on the Foo Fighters for a long time. Not that I thought they were terrible. I just thought they were middle of the road. And for whatever reason, people were drawn to them. Well, a couple of days ago, I got home from work early. And I got was on Twitter. And it was the, the band released a HD multi-camera concert from madison square garden this past summer which i think was like one of the first large indoor concerts so i got a new ultra 4k television so i'm like i'm gonna watch this i was absolutely blown away and that's the thing so many people have told me when i make fun of the foo fighters they go have you seen them live and i go no so i have gone back and started listening to them more now they're not the 72 Rolling Stones. Don't get confused with that. But they're better than I thought they were. Make fun of me. Uh, I um, Original position stands. They are a, they're a good rock band. They are a very overrated rock band, though. And I think that just about every member from that band comes from bands that were better than the Foo Fighters. Nirvana was way better than the Foo Fighters. I love Sunny Day Real Sunny Day Real Estate, the the Godfather Fathers of Emo. Pat Smear, greatest rock name there is, by the way. Pat Smear came from the Germs. Um, he got Shiftlet from No Use for a Name. Makes good solo records. I, I don't know, man. I, I just I think they're a good rock band, and I don't know how they're the biggest rock band in the world. I don't. All right, so, uh, and and I've seen them live. I, oh, oh, you have? I haven't watched the video. I haven't watched the video. I've seen them live. Really? And they are good live. Yeah, I saw them at, at uh, Memphis in May many years ago. Many years ago. I mean, I'm talking probably if if I guess o two to o five somewhere in that range, and. They were really good, but I still think they are they are an average rock band. Um, they're not bad. They certainly don't suck. I do not understand how everybody thinks they are the greatest rock band when I think there's so many better bands. Well, in May, I may have to come uh, sleep on your in your extra bedroom and walk a couple of blocks over and go see them at Memphis in May. I'll go. Um, I want to see Smashing Pumpkins, 
Uh, I want to see Foo Fight. I know they're. I know they've announced those. Steve Gorman's band Trigger Hippies on the bill. I'd like to go see them. So, all right. So Chris, Total whatever. Let's rock it too, for me. I, I'd like to see them. Yeah. Um, so the main reason we're here is our top ten albums of 2021. And uh, I'll be honest with you, um, there wasn't as much good music come out from the pandemic that I thought it would be. But for me, a lot of it, though, was really high quality. Um, there's three or four albums that, like, I can't quit listening to. And so, um, it, you know, as far as quantity, it was disappointing. But as far as quality, it was. It was better. Yeah, and f- for me personally, I, I feel I feel just like you do. I, I thought, we, we talked about this. We talked about this a lot in 2020, that this was going to be the... 21 we were going to see a a surplus of great music and it didn't happen it really didn't it was it was a normal year and i went several months in before i even had somebody that could solidly put that i knew would probably be in my top 10 and that's saying something And, and i'll i'll talk about that album here in a minute but for me personally i think the end of the year it closed strong there were some really good releases from about August through December. Some very solid releases. But uh first half of the year, man, it it was tough. If you if if the if the year had have gone like the first five, six months, I would have struggled to put together a top ten. I really would have. All right, so the way we're gonna do it this year, we're gonna copy the Growing Up Rock podcast and we're gonna copy uh, the Potter than Hell podcast with their format of how they did it, but don't worry, we're not going to have eclipse in our top ten. Uh, <laughs> or what's the other wet? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sonny. You know we love you. No, um, what was the other one though? There was another. There was another one that was really funny. Like the name of the band. I, I was texting you about it. Hold on, let me see if I see in the text. There was one that I thought was really funny. Go, go ahead. It may take me a minute. Um, gonna have Sonny on here. I've talked to him at some point. He and I, since Chris doesn't do albums, he and I are gonna do a little Purple Rain action. And I said I will. I said I will do one though. Um, uh, Chris is agreed. Believe this or not, Chris has agreed to do New Adventures in Hi-Fi track by track breakdown. So uh, that's how good that album is. That Chris is gonna... that that really should that really should tell you something right there. Um, geez, where's the name of that one that I uh, I want to. We, we can't lose this before we go on because this was really good. So Huddy sent me this. David, I'm sorry. David sent me this. Um, <laughs> the Growing Up Rock. And again, sorry, sorry, Sonny. Said for a laugh. And he, he sent me the link. And I, I listened through this. And there was one that really stood out. Um now I can't find it. Man, I'm sorry. I thought I had it right here in our text. We're going back and forth. No, that's fine. And we should say we love the Growing Up Rock guys. They like to, Sonny and Steven like to slag on my music, uh, like my morning jacket and widespread panic and all that. So it's it's all in good fun. Hey, but they do they do this thing that's cool. They started it last year where once a month they have a guest on and they go through a discography. So they did it for Van Halen last year. So like January did the first album. February... So Sonny messaged me, asked me if I wanted to do a Def Leppard one, and uh, I'm going to do that Euphoria one, uh, Euphoria one from '97. Uh, so I'm sure that's going to be during the summer. But 
looking what, forward wait, to what that. What is the format again? How so do they, do th- it? they do this thing now where they take a once a month, they cover an album by the same artist in sequential order. So last year they took the whole year and did Van okay. Halen's discography, and they had a different person on every time. And did you hear Sonny was on was a guest co host on uh, um, Chris Jericho's podcast? Huh. Uh, he did a really, really, really good job. Sonny's one of my absolute favorite people that we've met through podcasting. I just think he's a he's a super nice guy, and he's a massive Prince fan, and uh, he's a lot of fun. And, and so, he is a good guy. We're uh, I'm making fun of like the music taste and all, but he, yeah. like you said, he'll make fun of mine too. So it's all in good fun. He is a great human yeah. Being. And and Steven's a really good guy. I hung out with Steven in Atlanta back in May. I uh, went to see some buddies of mine, a Black Crows uh, tribute band, and Stephen and his uh, wife Jennifer came and hang out for a while. So uh, Stephen's a good guy too. Those are good guys, and they they have a good podcast and put a lot of time into it. So listen to Growing Up Rock. Hey, I, I, got, I got it. Um, wigwam. Wigwam. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, hey, uh, what, did, what did they talk about on uh, Jericho's show? I can't remember that it, it was, it was, um, I think he's actually been on there twice. Um, I can't remember the subject matter. I just, I, I have, I, I listen to Jericho's podcast every, every couple of months. I listen to one or two and I turn it on and, and he, and Sonny Pooney's on there <laughs> and I'm like big time. Uh, that is because Jericho, Jericho's, some of his podcasts are really good. Sometimes it's like wrestling or whatever on there, but a lot of times it's, it's musicians. All right, Chris. So they don't I'm, call them Hollywood for nothing, right? That's David? right. That's right. So um, anyway, we'll have Sonny on at some point. Do Purple Rain, and I'm going to be on their podcast and break down a Def Leppard album. So what we're going to do is we're going to do two and two. I'll do two. Chris does two, and I um, went back and listened. And last year, Chris went first. So I'm going to go first this year. You ready, Chris? I'm ready. All right, number ten, Gojira Fortitude. Now, if you know me, you know I really don't get into a lot of the harsh vocals and Cookie Monster vocals and growling or whatever, and Gojira has done that in the past, but their last couple of albums, to me, they're hitting kind of a sweet spot between clean vocals and harsh vocals. Um, It's fairly easy to understand them. Um, Their subject matter is kind of cool. It's unique. A lot of their stuff is about uh, the environment. They're big environmentalists. And a lot of their stuff kind of has a pretty positive tint to it if you uh, if you read the lyrics. So I got into them on their last album. They have a song called Stranded, which, man, is phenomenal. Had That's one of my favorite songs of the last 10 years. And this album uh, continued a little bit of a, a progression, a little bit cleaner vocals. I think it's a little heavier than the last one, but they are on a roll. I believe this album debuted at number one, which is a pretty big deal. I remember when we were interviewing Joey Z, he was talking about how much he liked them and how much he liked this album. So Gojira Fortitude is number 10. Number nine is My Morning Jacket. They put out a self-titled album. And I'll admit, uh, from At Dawn through Z in their catalog, I absolutely love. They have laid some turds the last couple albums. Uh, I just have not been able to get into it. Jim James is just singing in this constant falsetto voice. A lot of it sounds like it could be listened to on the river, 104.f FM in Memphis, the uh, kind of adult slash yacht rock stuff. This album did disappoint me. I, I, I feel because I heard it was kind of a return to form, but it wasn't. But there's four or five songs on there that I think are really good, and, and the rest aren't. Still one of the best live bands I've ever seen. If they come around me, I'm going to go see them. But 
it's kind of frustrating. That was one of my most anticipated albums. And uh, it's kind of frustrating when a band starts to consistently let you down. And I'm not one of these people that says a band can't change. I, I'm i a big believer in bands should change. But they have gone to this formula that, for me, the last couple albums has just really, really let me down. Kind of like the Wilco track, to be honest with you. Well, so the uh, I, I'm going to start there with my morning jacket. And, you know, I'm not a huge I'm not a huge fan of theirs. Um, God, I just had a, I had a, I literally had a good thought that just slipped the slipped my mind. Um, man, that one's that okay. Let me get back to that one. Then let me go to um, Gojira. Gojira. So I look at them the same way I do Mastodon and opeth because i saw that concert as you know david i saw that back in right before thanksgiving Mm -hmm. and they're one of those bands that come from pretty much aggressive pretty a pretty aggressive background musically and they have continued to evolve and i um i've tried listening to gozira i i uh i don't dislike it in any way i really don't but there's nothing that keeps me coming back. I guess that's the way I could say it. I listened to this album. I, I remember I was, this is before like, all the foot issues I have. I was running to that album. And I tried to really do a deep dive into it. And I didn't hate it. But it, didn't, it just didn't keep me coming back. And I know that people love this band. But I, and I know that there are parallels between them and Opeth. Between them and Mastodon. They're bands that harsh vocals, much more aggressive. And they continually continue to evolve um and i'm sorry my morning jacket i man i had a good thought i should have wrote it down all right so what's your number 10 and number nine so i uh, i did good this time david my um typically i just i don't do any prep work and i just try to go and this time i did take notes on every album my number 10 was a guy we talked uh, we talked about interviewing candlebot or Kevin Martin of Candlebox, and so I had Candlebox Wolves. So, a couple things that I that I noted on this was 2021 was the year I started listening to Candlebox again. There had been a while, and and that's probably the same for you. And I'll let you speak on that in a minute. But um, you know, once we I knew we were start we were going to interview Kevin Martin, I started listening to Candlebox again, and. I really started to discover music that of his that unfortunately I wasn't that familiar with. And that album, the 2016 disappearing in airports, I said to, to Kevin Martin at the time, I'll say it again. This is my second favorite album they put out. And the fact that people don't know that album, that just sucks because it's an incredible rock record. And, uh, so prepping for this, I remember I listened to that first track, My Weakness. That that was the first one to me. They may have released one before that, but that was the first one I heard. And I loved it. And I thought it sounded like a uh, a more mature, um, an older, an evolved candle box. And I thought, man, if this is what's to come, I think I'm going to like it. And it was what was to come. I... Uh, I love the record Wolves. I thought it was a great straight up rock record. And I thought it was probably, I mean, it's probably the most straightforward rock record on my list. Some of the favorite songs that for me 
was I love that first track they had on the album, All Down Here, All Downhill from Here. Uh, Riptide, great ballad. My Weakness, the one that, again, first one that I heard, loved that song. Uh, we, Los Angeles, Trip. It, it's just a solid rock album. I love that album. Um, so number nine for me. Oh, and before I forget, David, it popped in my head what I was going to say about my morning jacket. One thing, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit later, and you can probably figure it out. I uh, I totally understand where you're coming from about you were looking forward to my morning jacket. And it was still a band that you love enough to put in your top 10, but it was still a disappointment. And I have one of those. Number nine for me. Civic, Future Forecast. This is probably more than any on my list that people are going to say, who is that? I've never heard of this band. Well, this was the last edition, the last album that I heard that made it to this list. So, little backstory. A buddy of mine here in Memphis, he um, he was telling me he went to Ghana Records. And they had an album playing, and he thought, wow, this is really, really good. And he asked them about it. And they told them that it's an Australian band, but they had not been able to get their album, this future forecast album. They had not been able to get this released in the U.S. So Ghana Records, which has a label, decided to put it out to where it could be released in the U.S. So he bought this album. He loved it. He told me about it. And I just fell in love with it. It's uh, it's one that give me a few months. It might re- it might go higher on my list, but this is a very late edition. It's a, uh, this is just a great punk record. There's a lot of energy to this. And I hear a lot of different elements when I listen to this. I I hear elements of the Strokes. Um, A band that I really liked, which was, that came out in the last few years. They're unfortunately no longer together, the Orwells. And then I can hear on certain songs, it sounds a lot like Henry Rollins, the vocalist does. But uh, great punk record if you want to check this out songs for me that that i really like as on tv shake like death this is one that i really think sounds like henry Rollins. back to you velvet casino this one reminds i put i put a note on here this one reminds me of the stooges and come to know all right so Candlebox. it's an honorable mention of mine if i'm being honest the song my weakness was probably a, a top five song for me last year I listen to it a ton. Um, I cannot stand people that say they're a fan of the band of a band, and you're like, "Oh, have you listened to?" No, I, you know, and and I feel like that happens with them. Like if it's post '97, and I first of all, I think it's a lack of musical intelligence. I think it's a lack. I I hate to be mean. It's kind of a lack of maturity. What if? what if Pink Floyd would have not changed their sound? They would have just been a psychedelic band that put out crap. You know, what if the Rolling Stones would have just stayed essentially an R&B cover band? You know, uh, all these bands, uh, my favorite band, the Black Crows, went into a really trippy, heady category, heady area, which I absolutely love. And it's why people go see them 15, 20 shows a tour. So I think bands should be able to change. And like, you and I have taught like one of my favorite albums of the nineties was the Motley Crue Karabi album because it was such a departure. 
Warrant's Dog Eat Dog. You can laugh at Warrant all you want to. That is a good, well-written, good song album. But it doesn't... It's not cherry pie. It's not dirty. And it's a rock album. Yeah. It's a rock album, David. It's just not, it's not like a hair band, Hey Baby album. Right. And so I can't stand it when people won't let somebody change. Don't say you're a fan of Candlebox. Just say, I like the first two albums, which is, which is fair. Like, David, do you like Fleetwood Mac? I like one. I like two albums, self-titled and, and Rumors, you know? So, um, but I, I thought that song, My Weakness, was amazing. Um, I toyed with the idea of putting it number 10. Ultimately, it was an honorable mention. Um, like we said, Kevin Martin could not have been a night. We were supposed to have him 15, 20 minutes. We had him for like an hour and a half. And, uh, you know, like he said, we asked, nobody's ever asked him about that show in which the girl flashed the crowd. And he seemed to really, he seemed to really enjoy telling that story. And your question too, though, about uh, the, the song slips from my, my it's mind, all, but he asked, he thanked you for asking that question. And he, yeah, I went back and listened to it and he goes, you're one of the only people that's ever gotten that song. No, nope, nope. He said, but you're the, he, but he said, you're the only one who's ever asked about it. And he said, thank you. Yeah. So that, that, that's one of my favorite songs of all time. All right. Civic, I need to go listen to them. Um, I, I like that band that you sent me turnstile. How do they compare to them? Uh, turnstile people call them a hardcore band. I don't mm-hmm. really think they're hardcore. No. There's elements there. And I think that civic is, um, God, man, it's really tough because, I do really hear elements of the strokes, but it's, it's, it's more punk. It's a, it's a punkier version of the strokes. And, and at times the vocalist sounds like Henry Rollins. Compare them to street dogs. I've actually been listening to them a little bit. Street dogs is Irish punk. Okay. I mean, they're, they're more Irish punk. And this band, this is an Australian band. Um, You know, if you don't like punk, I think you can still like this record because it's not super, super punk. It really isn't. All right. My number eight was Delta cream by the black keys. I, um, admittedly in just a casual black keys fan, I, I respect what they've done and, and how they've done it. And, you know, they started out in a garage and, you know, been just become a really, really big band, but this album is entirely made up of covers of Mississippi Hill country blues. Now, the Mississippi Hill Country Blues is different than the Delta Blues. The Hill Country Blues is built more on a repeating rhythm, and it's just got kind of a a, a, a feel to it. It's a little more up-tempo. And so they, they covered, you know, R.L. Burnside, Junior Kimbrough, all these guys. And I was extremely lucky. It was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. They only played three shows this year and they wanted to play a show in Oxford, Mississippi, which is where fat possum records is, which was the album, the the label that gave them their break. And it's where basically the hill country blues people all got famous playing at proud Larry's a bar in, in Oxford before Chris and I went to school. So they played this place called the lyric theater. I think it holds 700 people. It sold out in five seconds and I got a ticket. And me and my buddy Bobby, who's a massive Black Keys fan, we were there and we're up against the rail. Nature called for me. I had had one too many and had to go to the bathroom, and I never could get back up front. But when I tell you it was, you and I have been to the Lyric together before. Yeah. You, it was packed all the way back to the door where you come in. You couldn't move. And they filmed it for a documentary. And what I thought was really cool was like, it's almost like I think they would have played that show if five people showed up. Because they had Eric Deaton and Kenny Brown, who were in R.L. Burnside's band, 
come out and play probably eight, seven or eight songs with them. And uh, Dan Auerbach, he said, thank you for coming. He said, thank you. This was one of the coolest honors we've ever had. And I was telling my buddy that went with me, I said, you know, in their last tour, like they sold out Madison Square Garden, Phillips Arena. They sold out 20,000 seat arenas. To see them in a place with 700 people, something that they enjoyed probably even more than the crowd was really cool. All right. Where are they? Hey, I, I don't mean to interject. Where, where are they from? Ohio. He's, yeah. he's, Dan Auerbach said when he was 15 years old, his dad drove him to Mississippi and drove him to Greenville, Mississippi, in particular to hear T-Model Ford play and said his life changed. And, uh, you know, they recorded this album in one day. Some of these songs are first takes. So, uh, which is, which is really cool. Um, going down South, uh, on there is amazing. Crawling King Snake is great. If you're into all of that, and especially if you're into the Black Keys, you're going to love it. Cause if it wasn't for that music, there's no Black Keys. All right. <clears throat> Words I never thought I would ever say. My number seven album, Deaf Heaven, Infinite Granite. <laughs> now I have always told you with Deaf Heaven, I thought the music was good, moving and unique until the guy stepped up to the microphone. And as our buddy BC would say, that's what it would sound like. Um, This album is almost like a love letter to 90s alternative, shoegaze, The Cure, you you name it. Um, I know you were disappointed in it because it is the clean vocals and, and stuff like that, but Great Mass of Color, that song is a banger. Villains is amazing. I really, really enjoyed this album. I loved how it was mixed with the vocals down just a little bit in the mix to where you have to kind of lean up to the speaker to understand what he was saying. Uh, I thought the singer proved that he has a really good voice and it proved they were capable of evolving and changing. Now, the other stuff that they've done, I got to tell you, some of the most unique stuff I've ever heard in my life. So I don't, and I don't think they sit on their laurels on any of their albums. So um, this, you know, they may put out a, screaming death metal record next but for this year this album was great and i really enjoyed it yeah and david i'll talk about that one in a minute because it i mean no secrets they're one of my favorite bands and they are on this list and when i was talking about a band that you love that you're excited for and they disappoint you yeah hint (laughs) that's the one but uh, i'll get to that in a minute so Number eight, the Hold Steady, Open Door Policy. Now, this is a band that I got into. They've been around for a very long time now. I mean, they've been around for over 15 years. And I've heard about them for years. A lot of the guys, that not just me, David, a lot of the guys that we listen to love this band. Love them. Yes, and I I could... I honestly didn't give them a, a a real chance, and I think a lot of it is because of the the vocal style, the lyricism, and I'm going to get to that in just a second. I think that's probably part of it, but I'm going to go back to like whenever the whenever the date hit that it was the 15th anniversary of Boys and Girls in America. Several different artists that I love were tweeting about that record. And I'd listened to some some uh, some of the Hold Steady's music. But when I see these guys tweeting about this record, I think one of them was Dave Hawes. I thought, 
man, I got to go give this another another try. They're a musician's band. I listened to it, David, and after like the first round through, I was like, this is pretty good. And then I listened to it again. It was like when I first tried sushi. It's like, this isn't bad. And then I tried it again. Well, that's pretty good. Third time I had it, it's like, holy hell, I've been missing this all my life. That's how they were to me. And I loved that record. And so I, um, I gave them the fair shot that they deserved. And the thing about the whole steady is Craig Finn, he, he's the vocalist. It's a very unique style that he does, a very unique way of writing. His writing style, it's, it's, it's unconventional. And, of course, as I've already said, it's very influential at the same time. And, you know, lyrically, he's known to – he sings from third-person narrative. His songs are – they follow a story uh, – like storytelling. And he is often very, very wordy. A lot of words. And it, it unconventional is the best way I can describe him. And you got to kind of get used to that because it is different when you listen to him. And if you've never heard this band, you're probably thinking, well, what is so different about him? Listen to it. If you're a fan of music like we are, you'll get it. It's different. But it finally resonated with me. And I, get, I became a fan on that album. And so 2021... They released their eighth studio album, as I said, Open Door Policy. And I really, really like this record. I think it's it's solid from beginning to end. Few songs that I that I took note of that if you're unfamiliar with this, listen to The Feelers, Lanyards, Family Farm, and Heavy Covenant. All of those great tracks. So number six for me, uh, or no, I'm sorry, number seven for me. David mentioned this band. He asked me just in the previous when he was listening to his albums how how Civic compared to Turnstile. So number seven is Turnstile, an album called Glow On. This is also a late edition. So Turnstile, I'd heard a lot of buzz about them when this album came out, which I think was, I want to say it was late spring. I mean, I'm sorry, not late spring, late fall, when, late summer, early fall when this album came out. And I went to go listen to it, and I wasn't impressed. And then all these year in, top 10s coming out, or top 20s, top 25s, whatever, they kept naming this album. So I thought, what am I missing? And I went back and tried to revisit. Well, I realized that I'd been listening to the wrong turnstile album. I think that a lot of times as, as fans of music, when we find out a band is supposed to be really good, if they're on their third album, we start with the first. And I think that's what I did. I don't really remember this, but I think that's what I did. So this time I went and listened to Glow On. And I loved it. I loved it on first listen. They are, as I said earlier, they're considered a hardcore band. And there are elements there, but I don't consider them hardcore. I think, um, I mean, at least not in the traditional sense, they're not hardcore. This album that does get heavy at times, and it, but it's just a very, very unique sound. They, uh, the, the cool thing about this one is the cover, it kind of reminds me of Sunbather by, by uh, Deaf Heaven. It's supposed to be this aggressive music. Sunbather was, people that don't know, it's this 
for Death Heaven, it's this shoegaze slash black metal, and it has a pink cover. Well, Turnstile made this album that's uh, pink with clouds on it. No no script, no word, nothing. That's all it is. And so it, it reminded me of that. But enough about the cover. This album is just, it's cool. It's different. You probably hadn't heard a record like this in recent times. I highly recommend it. The The first track, Mystery, I mean, if you, if you want to hear an opening track, there's one to listen to. But Blackout, don't play. Don't play. I, I, I do pick up on the hardcore elements in this one for sure. Humanoid slash Shake It Up. The uh, the second half of that song, absolutely, it is straight up hardcore and endless. It's the last. That's the last last song I picked of the ones that I really loved on this. It's um, like I said, it's not quite a hardcore record. Elements are there. But I think um, if you're a fan of music, you really need to check this one out. And this one has been on the list of of not just metal publications, but just music fans. So this is again, check it out. I've actually listened, going back and listened to it twice. I like it. Um, as far as the Hold Steady goes, yeah, it's they're one of those bands that like so many people I listen to. That's one of their favorite. Like I think it's one of Patterson Hood's favorite bands. They've toured together. Uh, he always has their albums, like, and he does a top ten every year, like, in his top ten albums. I need to go back and listen to that Boys and Girls album. I've tried it once before, and like you said, it's just, it takes a few lists. I think it's going to take more than one listen, because it's, it, it, the cadence and everything is a little different. Cadence is a good word. That's a good word, David. Really good word. All right. So, my number six, Jerry Cantrell, Brighton. Um, it's no secret. Jerry Cantrell is one of my favorite musicians of all time. I love his guitar playing. I think it's completely unique. His vocals, uh, I'll say it again. The three most influential backing vocalists in any band is, uh, Mike Mills, Michael Anthony, and Jerry Cantrell haunting melodies and harmonies that he can produce. His last album, Degradation Trip, volume one and two came out in like Oh two or Oh three. It's, uh, well, maybe it was even 2000. Anyway, it's one of my favorite albums of all time. It's probably the darkest album I listen to, and I mean it is dark. But this album, Brighton, by the title, it's not nearly as dark. It's uh, it's very, very unique. Uh, several of the songs could be borderline country songs. He has a pedal steel player on it. Uh, it's not nearly as dark. He covers an Elton John song off of... Um, Oh, what's the, the, I think it's off that Madman Across the Pond or Across the Album or whatever. Anyway, so he covers an Elton John song. and It's just, it's a really good, solid album. It's not nearly as dark and depressing. Uh, it's a little bit lighter. It's not as heavy. Like I said, there are a couple of songs, which I, I think he loves old school hardcore country. I mean, he's from Oklahoma. So uh, I think he gets into, you know, Waylon Jennings and all that stuff. All right. Number five. Another band that I never thought I would ever say was in my top 10 dinosaur junior sweep into space. Now you and I have a common friend that completely ruined me on dinosaur junior in college. I'm all, it's almost like clockwork orange when I would hear them because he played it. First of all, their music's loud to begin with. He is mixed very loud. He played it at ear piercing levels and he would go to sleep with it playing in his room and lock his door. And so, and, and you'd get in his car and it was so loud, your ears would bleed. So I've been nat- just naturally, I'm, I'm, had been against him. But this album came out and I remember hearing the first single 
And I was like, man, that's really good. And so I wound up actually going and purchasing the vinyl. And uh, there's a song on there called I Met the Stones. It's one of my favorite songs of the year. Now, <clears throat> so I went back and started listening to, uh, I've got like two or three other albums. I listened to them a lot this year. It's a lot different than I thought it was. I always thought most of it was just kind of nonsensical stoner rock, and it's really not. You know, there's some of that in there. But the lyrics are a little bit more mature than I thought they would be. But this album was really good. Now, I went on to some of their fan pages, and a lot of the fans were upset with the mix. Uh, he seemed to have turned the guitars down in the mix and elevated the vocals a little bit, which didn't bother me because I'm not a longtime fan, but I can understand you know, how picky some people are. But just really, really good. I went back and you know, have been watching a lot of videos of them. And he, Jay Mascus is an amazing guitar player. Like I said, uh, I Met the Stones is good. There's a ballad on there called The Garden, which is really, really good. Um, it, it's just a good, solid album, and it led to me purchasing some more of their stuff and uh, actually being a fan of them. Well, okay, so let me start with Jerry Cantrell. I... Um... The thing about Alice in Chains, I really like the band. I like them a lot. And even though I get the importance of Jerry Cantrell, because he was very, very important, and I think what you said about most important background vocalists next to Mike Mills and... Um, Michael Anthony. Michael Anthony, I think that's that, that might be accurate. And Jerry Cantrell sang more lead vocals than either one of those guys. But... Without Lane Staley, I don't know that I ever listened to Allison Chains. That's not to say I don't appreciate Jerry Cantrell. I do. He's a good guitarist. He has a cool voice, and he added a great element to Allison Chains. This one, I, I've got to be honest, I, I did listen to a couple of songs on it. I, I'm not that familiar with the album, but I have nothing against Jerry Cantrell. I mean, he's a great artist, and... I don't think he'll probably ever put out anything bad. It just may not be anything that excites me. He seems like he'd be a fun guy just to go sit at a bar with and talk music with. Probably would. Dinosaur Jr. So, this band... Hold yeah, on, hold on, re real quick. When you get off this, go to YouTube. There's a video of him, Ann Wilson... No, he... Uh, not Ann Wilson. What's his, her sister's name? Nancy Wilson. Nancy. Nancy... And Sammy Hagar, it sounds odd, on acoustic guitars playing that song Brother Off Sap. And Kentrell said it's one of the best things he's ever done. Okay. Just check that one out. All right, so Dinosaur Jr. So, yeah, the, uh, the mutual friend, he is somebody who likes very, 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 very loud music. And Dinosaur Jr. has, I, I, unfortunately, I've never seen him live. But they are known to be one of the loudest bands you will ever see live. So when you talk about the noisiness of the band, yeah, that makes sense. I listened to this album. You were really high on this when it came out. This was one of the early releases of the year. Mm -hmm. This was my number one for a while. And I liked it. I didn't love it. I liked it. I... um. But you were probably a little more familiar with their back catalog than me. I am. I am. And, and I'm not a huge, huge fan of theirs. I like them. I like them. And I, I would I know you had reached out to me about, hey, let's go see Dinosaur Jr. And, man, I'd do that in a second. Got canceled like everything else. Of course. 
but I would go in a second to go see them. But the album that I, <laughs> that I remember our mutual friend was playing one night after his mistakes. Is that is that a good way to put it? Yeah. <laughs> after his mistakes, he uh, he put on "You're Living All Over Me" and blasted it up. <laughs> and he's like, "Man, if you turn <laughs> David, if you turn this down, I will kill you." <laughs> And, and he, those might have been the most serious words he ever spoke. Like I, like I said, he made a mistake. That's all I will say. We're not saying his name. We're not saying what he did. We're not saying where he's from. Nothing. But uh, I will always remember that night in Dinosaur Jr. But that is a good record. Green Mind is good. And I like their, the, uh, the 90s stuff. Without a sound, where you been? They're a good band. Really good band. And Jay Mascus is such a unique player. Great guitarist. And I like this band. I didn't hate this record. It's just not my top ten. He is a big Kiss fan, though. As I was saying, I don't like Jay Mascus at all. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, all right. So, my number six. Sunvolt. Electro Melodier. So Sunvolt is a band that I've loved for many, many years. And the last record they put out prior to this one was the first time I was really let down by them. And it was uh, the album Union. Oh, it was terrible. Ishtar It really was. Yeah. It really was a bad, bad record. And this is a band that Man, you don't... Okay, if they're not your favorite band, that's fine. But if you at least like them, you got to say this about Sunvolt. They're consistent. Each record sounded good. And when they put out Union, I'm just thinking, what is this shit? And, and, and that was 2019, and I was so disappointed by that. So 2021, obviously after they put out that turd, I'm not expecting much. And they and then 2021, Electro Melodier, and I loved it. I uh it was re- I thought it was a return to form. And the thing about Sunvolt is prior to Union, which again, terrible record. If I go to 2017, they released Notes of Blue. I love that record. Very good album. It was, it was a very bluesy album. The record before that, 2013's Honky Tonk. Obviously, very country influence. Hank Williams album. <laughs> but this was the first album since 2009's American Central Dust, where I thought they were fir- they 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 went back to Sunvolt, true Sunvolt, and it paid off. It, it's probably as much as I like Notes of Blue. This might be my favorite one since American Central Dust. Um. Doesn't compare to American Silver Dust because David knows that's one of my favorite Sunvolt records. But I did really like this one, and it was great to see that they are back and they made one turd of many, many great albums, one bad one. This one, uh, I put a few notes on here as far as the songs. Orky Blue. I said this one starts out bluesy, like something from Notes of Blue. Diamonds and Cigarettes. Another one of Sharon McNally, who is great, by the Shannon. way. Shannon. Um, McNally. Lucky Ones I said this one would have fit on Trace Living in the USA Maybe my favorite one on the album And the Levy On Down 
I said, this is more of a folky sound. Good record. So going to number five, Death Heaven. Granite. And this is one, if you told me Death Heaven was going to put out a new record in 2021. And, and by the way, David, we didn't know they were putting out a new record until, what, probably late winter? Yeah. Early spring, they announced it. Uh, it they didn't. They weren't letting people know they had one. So they may have been one of the few bands that took advantage of what happened in COVID. But um, this one, when I found out they were putting out a record, I was so excited. And I heard the first song, and I, the first song I got to be on, it was so different, but I loved it, and it's great mass of color, and it was so different because it was the first time they ever had clean vocals, and I, I honestly was blown away by it. But at the same time, I thought, well, wait a minute, is this what's going to be the rest of the record? If it is, this isn't the band I fell in love with. And for the most part, that is what was the rest of the record. Clean vocals, a little bit of harsh vocals. That being said, this is a really, really good album. I liked it a lot. It was just disappointing for me. It was disappointing because it wasn't the band that I fell in love with. You know, I fell in love with Sunbather. I, I, Ordinary Corrupt Human Love was my favorite album of 2018. We talked about it on this podcast. But Infinite Granite, The Screams, Screeching, The Blast Beats, all gone. This was uh, the up and down emotions. Those were gone. There weren't really any heavy, then beautiful, then punch you in the face aggression songs. That wasn't really there. It's not a black, black gaze album. It's a shoegaze album. Plain and simple, it's not heavy, it's shoegaze. There are a few screams towards the ending, endings of a few songs. and Really low in the mix, though. And is it any coincidence? So those, those are my favorites on here. Probably not. So, and you know, the thing is, they, they, probably, they probably did gain a lot of fans with this album. But I imagine they probably lost a lot, too. Um, like I said, it's still good. I mean, hell, it's good enough to make my top five. But overall, this is a really great shoegaze album. It's not a great Def Heaven album. That's what I would say. But still good enough to be number five. All right, so we've already t talked about Def Heaven. No, let uh, me tell you those real quick. Uh, songs, if you don't know this album, because I did put songs on it for every one of these. In Blur, Great Massive Color. I put There's Great Screams at the End. Villain, who you that put you put that as one of your favorites. I said it's a very shoegaze track with great screaming at the end. The last track, Mombasa, it's really cool song. It's uh, it gets pretty intense at the end with the screams. So go ahead. All right, so we talked about Def Heaven, Sun Vault. I'll be honest with you, I didn't like it all that much. Um, I think their first three albums are genre defining classics. I think the two albums that came after that, Okima and The Search, I absolutely loved. It was them taking a chance. And I loved songs like Methamphetamine, Highways and Cigarettes, Highway 61, Gramophone. Those are all great songs. Um, that last album just put such a bad... I mean, I, I can't describe how bad that album is. Um, 
and the 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 lyrics on it. Jay Farrar is one of the greatest lyricists of all time, but most of his stuff there's some ambiguity to it, and it's not direct. And and on this album, it was just almost like narratives, and I, I don't know. It was just not a good album. I need to go back and listen to this one some more. It just did not grab me when it came out. Did, did you like American Central Dust? Uh, probably sixty percent of it I really liked. Like that's weird to me because I, I I might put that as my second favorite Sunvolt record, and I, and I know I'm probably in the minority. I remember I, I, I remember liking Cocaine and Ashes, Jukebox of Steel, When the Wheels Don't Roll or Move or whatever. Um. Anyway, so I need to go back and check that out again. All right, so my number four is Blackberry Smoke. You hear Georgia. Uh, this is a loud rock album with three guitars. They added uh, Benji Shanks. If you're uh, <clears throat> familiar with the Black Crows, he's kind of he's done some stuff with some of the members of those bands uh, playing Slide. They were my first sh- show out of the quarantine, and I think they're the most fan friendly band I've ever seen. Um, I've had Charlie on my other podcast. If I DM him, he messaged me, and I DM'd him said, "Hey, I'm here at the show." He said, "Well, come to the bus," and uh, got to hang out with him a few minutes. Super gracious guy. But this is a loud, there's there's no bluesy songs on it. There's no country songs on it. It's just a loud rock album. Uh, the song We All Rise Again with Warren Haynes and All Over the Road are just fantastic. I recommend those. Now, <clears throat> we're getting into the top three. When I get into the top three, these are the ones that the quality is so good. The first one is Ryan Adams' Big Colors. And this was the leader in the uh, clubhouse for a long time. This is the album I've been wanting him to make for the last two or three albums, which I've liked all of his last albums. The self-titled album was really good. Um, I thought the um, Prisoner album was good. There was a decent amount of stuff I liked on the one that came out at the end of last year, specifically the song Birmingham. That's one of my favorite Ryan Adams songs. But this one is more of a return to a little more rock I like his singer-songwriter stuff, but after three or four songs, a lot of times it all starts to sound the same to me. So I like it when he mixes it up. The song Manchester is great. Summer Rain. It, it's still a sad album, but it's not as like slit my wrist, put a shotgun in my mouth like the last couple <laughs> have been. But this was recorded pre-pandemic and pre-his you know issues that, that came to light. But he has another one recorded called Chris that's going to be coming out soon. I think it's named after his brother that passed away. But this album really, really moved me, and it's one that'll be in my rotation for years to come. So, David, the, the as you know, like Blackberry Smoke, I don't know a whole lot about them. What I've heard, I'm not the biggest fan of. So I can't give much of an opinion on them because I haven't really listened that much. But um, Ryan Adams... I love that record, and I'm going to have something to say about that in a minute. So I'm going I'm to save my thoughts on that. That So that tells you this is going to be coming up on my list. Number four for me. This was the first record that I actually thought would be in my top ten. And this one came out probably in the first two, three months of the year. And for about the probably the first three, four months, it was the only one. It's the one I was talking about at the beginning of this podcast that I thought would actually make my top ten. I knew right along it probably would. And that's the Dropkick Murphys, Turn Up That Dial. 
I've liked this band for a long time, and I think they've put out a lot of really great records. That being said, the last two I was not big. I was not a big fan of, and I thought this was their first like really good record since 2011's going out in style. This is their tenth studio album, and I just love this one. I put down and I and I wore this thing out. By the way, my fiance when she would, I played this like nonstop, and. Like a lot of women, this is that one band that teeters on punk that they actually like. And she likes a lot of their music, but I think even even though she likes a lot of it, she just got annoyed by it because I played it so much. And when I was thinking of great songs, I will say this. I listed more songs by them than I did any other album on my list. So it may be the most consistent it's just not my favorite one. So if you're listening to this one, Lee Boy, Queen of Suffolk County, uh, Mick Jones, Nick My Pudding, which is a great tune because, and it's a great story because they they uh, they told the story of this one on one of their um, their live streams. They were talking about Mick Jones was backstage for one of their shows, and one of their friends was back there, and he had pudding in the fridge, and Mick Jones ate it. And the guy was pissed. The ate his pudding. And so they ended up making a song off of it. Mick Jones nicked my pudding. But uh, Good as Gold, City by the Sea, I Wish You Were Here. It's just a sad, sad song. It's an album closer, and it's a beautiful, beautiful song. Number three. David's number three. Ryan Adams, Big Colors. This is the album that was supposed to come out in 2019. This came out, this was supposed to come out, but Ryan Adams got me too'd. I'm not here to talk about whether he should or should not have got me too'd. I'm just talking, I'm going to talk about the music. I thought this album was, or do think this album is incredible. You know, in 2020, he put out Wednesdays and that made my top 10. But this one is way better. And I would probably say this is, it's at least his top three for me of albums he's ever released. It's a little bit more, I'd say it's a little bit more uh, adult oriented. It's, um, I, I think this album, honestly, I think this album would have been bigger. And David, I'll let you chime in in a minute. I think this album would have been much bigger bigger if it hadn't been for the scandal behind Ryan Adams I think that this one was uh, it was practically zero promotion I mean people won't touch this guy right or wrong and I think that you're not going to see this in a lot of your top list your top 10s your top 25s your top 50s of this out this year because it's I don't know it's um, you, you can't you can't put Ron Adams on a list. It's there's a, I guess there's a certain shame to it. It's uh, it's not appropriate. It's not, it's not PC to list that one, but the album itself, it's incredible. And I, for, for a while, for a minute, I thought this was going to be my number one record on, on, on my 2021 list. 
as I said, very low key. There's little straight up rocking, more adult rock. And it reminds me of love is hell album. I can see that, you know, and I put it on here too, David, I said, this is where I talk about it's adult rock and it's more mature. I said, it's perfect for a couple of adult in their forties music dorks. Yeah. And that's where we are. Uh, another one that there's so many songs to list that I like. Do not disturb Manchester. I surrender summer rain. My absolute favorite on that record is summer rain. It's the album closer. If you're going to listen to anything, listen to summer rain. I love this record, David. I do too. I do too. And I'm really looking forward to his next one. You talking about somebody that doesn't put out the same album over and over again. <laughs> I mean, he put out rock and roll and then heartbreak and he had heartbreaker and love is hell and Jacksonville city night. So he, he's all over the place. All right. My number two album is the war on drugs. They're my favorite band in the last 10 years. I just about think they can't do anything wrong. Their last two albums were absolute classics top to bottom. Love them. Um, I'm going to try to go see them this year. Their, their live album last year was my album of the year. They uh, started out with a little more kind of Americana with Kurt Vile in the band and he left and they've become their own thing. Adam Grandy Seal has become one of my favorite musicians. Um, I was so looking forward to this album. I'll admit there's about four songs on there. I don't care for the rest. I really like, so it's not as good as the last two albums. And if you listen to it, some of the songs have almost like an eighties, synth tone to them but there's a song on there called old skin it starts off slow and about the two minute 20 second mark it kicks in and as Stephen hyden said it that when it kicked in that's his musical moment of the year and he said it's like hello mr petty i'm mr springsteen uh the song is called old skin it is unreal and as with a lot of their stuff a lot of their stuff when they play it live comes across a little heavier and uh, they're not a jam band, but they'll do things with like these like long segues into songs and interludes that like really sound cool and kind of paint this beautiful tapestry of of, of music. So um, yeah, and I think this is the one that's going to kind of break them. Though they won a Grammy on their last album, so I mean they they're well known. All right, number one, hands down, no thinking about it. Pressure Machines by the Killers. I didn't even know this album was coming out. You text me one day and said, hey, have you listened to the new Killers that came out today? So I was at work, put my headphones on. And by the time I got to Quiet Town, I was like, oh my. This is probably the most visceral response I've ever had to an album on first listen, ever. Ever. This could potentially be a top 10 album of all time for me. But I got to give it time and not have recency bias. The album is a concept album, and it does not sound like... There's not a song on that album except for maybe Sleepwalker that I could ever hear on another Killers album. It has a little bit of an Americana feel to it at times. It's basically a concept album around uh, growing up in a small town, which Brandon Flowers did in Utah. Some of the songs, I think, are like based on true stories. There is not a bad song on this album. And I'm on some of their fan pages, and some of their fans just absolutely rip it because it does not sound like the first two or three albums, which I think says to me, you're not a fan, you have horrible taste in music. 
Um, if you can't listen to this and be moved, there's, there's really something wrong with you. Uh, songs that really get to me are the closing track, the getting by just absolutely beautiful. The song quiet town for whatever resonates with me. I grew up in a really, really small town. Sleepwalker is great. You know, um, oh gosh. Um, the, the first song, um, I'm drawing a blank on it. Um, Anyway, there, there's not a bad song on it. And before every song, there's a little narrative introduction of a dip from a different character, which really helps you understand some of the oh, Runaway Horses with uh, Phoebe Bridgers is on there. There's just not a bad song on there, I promise you. Um, and I was in their 0.05% of listeners uh, last year on Spotify. So I know it's your number one. It's my number one. It's not even close. Um, I would love to see them tour this album and do it top to bottom. Don't do it in an arena because the album's not made for an arena. Do it in a two or three thousand seat amphitheater and play it beginning to end. And I'm there. You dick. You gave away my my number one. I mean, <laughs> but anyway, the first song was it's West Hills. Yeah, by yeah. The way. I think you were struggling with that. Okay, we go with number two. So. Number two was a guy that David and I talked about at the beginning of this podcast that we interviewed, Dave Hawes. And I was really torn because like I love this I love Dave Hawes' record, Blood Harmony, by the way, the same with album. I love this record so much. And in four out of five years, it's the number one album of the year. And there's a part of me that thought that Man, Dave was so cool to us. He was great to us. He was gracious. He's kind. He's basically telling us, let me know when you're coming to a show and I'm going to hook you up. He, he's, he basically said every one of those words. And I was like, okay, Dave Hawes, the killers, Dave Hawes, killers. And I had to just stick to the music. Dave Hawes was number two for me. And like I said, on any other year, this is my album of the year. I love Blood Harmony. When I was telling Dave how much I love this record and how much it means to me, no exaggeration. It is an incredible record. It is. Uh, this is a guy who is better with every album he releases. I talk about a lot, bands that evolve. And... You know, we were talking about a few bands. Like I was talking about, I was talking about Death Heaven. Um, David, what was the album you were talking about? Another one on your list was Evolving. Um, da, 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 da. it was like your number nine or number eight. I can't remember. Uh, Gajira. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Ten. Your number ten. We're talking about bands that evolve. And a lot of times they lose you. And one that almost made my top 10 was Brian Fallon. He put out an album where he sang a lot of religious songs, uh, uh, Christmas songs. And I really, really liked it. And it was a contender for my top 10. But Brian Fallon is one of those ones that he's not... God, I hate this. I mean, I know he's not listening to us, so I'll say it. He's not getting better as it goes. Dave Haas is getting better. 
And I think that Devour was it was his masterpiece, but this is up there. And you know, I think that the the thing about this album is one thing I shared with him is this was an album that it resonates with me as I'm getting older. I'm getting older in a lot in life, adult life. It, it's one that it's one that I connected with. Um, I put on here a couple of notes that I have. I, I relate to this album. I don't have kids, so I can't relate to fatherhood. Uh, but he sings about life. He sings about looking back on the fun times, the when life was easy, about no worries. He sings about you know not bullying, and you know when we're when we're young, we often find these cases when we see bullying. We often find them funny as sad as that is and now that we're as adults we just we look at them as what they are they're sad but uh he covers all kinds of of grounds just the the lyrical content identified with and you know followed this guy's career i know a lot of people always view him as a punk guy i'm probably gonna always view him as a punk guy he's made a great he's made great great punk music but the uh, thing is, he's evolving, and he just makes great, great records. And this is one that deserves to be listened to. And I will raise that battle flag for Dave Hawes any day of the week. Songs to listen to. Sandy Sheets. Hannah Lay. Gary is the one about bullying, which is probably the best song on the record. Leave it in that dream carry that lantern lantern and little wings number one david's build the beans pressure machine by the killers man where do i begin with this one david oh i do know where i'm going to take you back to our podcast from august 3rd where we discussed the worst power ballads that was our topic i know you don't remember this david but I listened to this by mistake because of a buddy of ours that was listening. You know this. About a week or two ago, a buddy of ours was listening mm-hmm. to that podcast. So I was trying to remember some of the things we said, so I went back and listened to it. And I noticed at the beginning of the episode, we were discussing the albums we were looking forward, we were looking forward to in 2021. You said you didn't know what was coming out. Well, we discussed this album. And we discussed the upcoming album from The Killers. I've got an official transcript from you. Okay. From us. This is David. All right. They've been on a downward trajectory. They've pulled a Wilco. Chris, I will listen and give it a shot. If they drop another turd, I'm probably done with them. It's the same way I don't listen to Wilco records at all. I'll probably give up. David, they're never going to beat Samstown. Chris, they're not. So, Chris, on January 8, 2022, they beat Sam's Town. Yes. <laughs> and I think David just said, yes, they did too. This record is a record that will be with me. If I'm lucky enough to live another 25 years, it will be with me. I was blown away by this. 
I talked about this album, how it reminded me of Nebraska by Bruce Springsteen. It wasn't just the songs. It was the cover art. I saw that immediately and I thought, man, this is this is a brand of flowers, Nebraska. And I read a year in review where somebody was comparing it to Nebraska. And I thought, wow, I wasn't the only one that did this. A lot of people have probably had that same thoughts. It's uh, it's the lyrical content. It's the imagery. It's everything about this record reminds me of it. And you mentioned a small town. It's from uh, Nephi, Nephi mm-hmm. Utah. And about, man, I don't even think it was a, a month. I think it was a few weeks after this was released. I was in Park City, Utah, which is, you know, it's 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 north. Of, it's probably two, three hours north of uh, Nephi. But there was something about me being in Utah and listening to this album. Everywhere I drove, I rented a car and I drove all across all across Park City, Snowbird, all this. And I was playing this album. And that was one of my favorite trips I've taken in a long time. And this album will always remind me of that trip. And I don't know what else to say other than I was absolutely blown away by this record. There is a... There's an edited version of this record where they don't have the commentary between each song. So if you haven't heard this yet, between each song, they have somebody talking who is somebody from Nephi, Utah, talking about the town. And it leads up to each song. And I've talked to a couple of people that don't like that part of it. And in my opinion, the album's not the same without it. And I'm going to give David a chance to respond to this here in a moment. But to me, without that, it's not the same album at all i love that part of it i i think it it enhances the record what david was talking about as far as a lot of killers fans not liking it my cousin just loves this band saw him a couple a few weeks ago he didn't like it at all mm. at all he you was need, so disappointed you by need it. to cut him out of the family reunion well, I was like, man, what is your problem? I mean, what is wrong with you? And I don't know. It's just those stories, those small town stories. It's about people in the same way. I look at Bruce Springsteen about trying to escape, even though Brandon Flowers doesn't necessarily try to, to sing about escaping Nephi. You can kind of read between the lines and, and before I, I give my favorite songs, I'm going to say this last thing, David, and, I, and I'll let you you speak because I'm talking like crazy. But I, I texted to David a few weeks ago when I was talking about the Getting By, which is the last track on the album. The chorus. This is a second. This is the second or the second verse. I'm sorry, second verse. You know I believe in the sun. I ain't no backslider. But my people were told they'd prosper in this land. Still, I know some who'd never seen the ocean or set foot on a velvet sand, but they've got their treasure laying way up high where there might be many mansions. But when I look up, all I see is sky. And when I see what I don't know what it is about that, that verse, every time I hear it, it hits me, it hits me so hard. And I think it's just that fact of he knows these people, they're born there, they'll die there. And they'll never see anything else. And David, you, more than me, you relate to that. But I'm going to shut up. I'm going to list my favorite tracks on this. Quiet Town, 
and this is another one, David. I have a lot of tracks. Quiet Town, Sleepwalker, in the in the car outside, Pressure Machine, the Getting By, and one that you I know is not one of your favorites, and it is actually one of mine. Desperate Things. The only thing I don't like about Desperate Things is the cadence is a little weird on it. It's like sometimes he has one too many words for the for the for the phrase. Uh, the story is very cool. I mean, but yeah. So this, I mean, I, I can't recommend this album. This I would recommend this album over anything we've ever talked about new music wise since we've been doing the podcast. It's, I agree. It's that good. And one of the things that I think is fascinating about this, there's zero judgment in this album. And if you listen to interviews with him, he, you know, wasn't the happiest person growing up there. But now that he's gotten older and has kids, he realizes there was a good quality to it. Like where he talks about remembering his parents and the love they gave him, you know, during that time. Like I said, there's no judgment on any of it. And if anything, I think he's showing he's sympathetic to people that are trapped in that kind of a life and that these are good people. Like my, my, the whole way I interpret that getting by is it's people that have come to terms with what their life's going to be like and they're going to make the best of it. And uh, he just seems like such a genuinely good human being. Uh, he's apparently a very devout Mormon and, and there's some religious, there's some issues with religion, not not that he doesn't believe in God on it. It's just issues with how people apply religion and, and, and kind of hurt certain people. Um, I thought the instrumentation, the harmonica on Quiet Town just makes the song. Uh, you're not expecting that on a Killers album. Um, you know, the, the, the lyrics on Quiet Town get me every time. The, the first verse is about, some. It's, this is based on a true story. It's about a couple that he knew that got killed in a car wreck in high school, in a, by a train. The second verse is about the opioid crisis, and the way he discusses it is exactly how it plays out. And then the third verse is kind of like, hey, I, you know, there's things about this town I didn't like, but I've looked back finally on the way my parents were, and they treated me back at this time. Um, the car outside, I mean, just tells, you know, a story of living in a small town, another life. That's a great song. It's just basically a life lived in regret. Somebody that made a bad decision and they're stuck there having to pay for it. Um, I, I just, man, this is, this is five out of five stars. Uh, it will always, I don't see how it's not always going to be one of my favorite albums. And I, I listen to this album at least once all the way through every week since it came out the first month it came out to literally all I listened to. I put it on Spotify and just hit repeat and listen to the whole thing over and over and over again. And I, and the thing is I never got tired of it and I've gone, I've gone and watched some of their live videos and I'll be honest with you. Some of the songs kind of struggle to come across live because they do have such a big sound on everything else. And it is kind of bombastic and over the top. I agree with you. Like where I, well, first of all, I, I keep listening to it over and over and over. And David, you know, I've talked about this before and, and this could be a potential podcast because I, I don't typically like to, to listen to music when I go to sleep, unless I'm extremely tired or I've been drinking. And I find myself every time I want to listen to music, I hit shuffle and I don't stop hitting shuffle until I hit the good, the getting by or quiet town. <laughs> and if I hit the getting by, man, it's a win. And 
I think that, like, I agree with you as far as this is one that if we've been doing this, how long have we been doing this, David? Four years. This is probably my favorite record of those four years. For sure, mine. It just, I don't know. It, I, I think it is perfect. And do you do you agree with me? You take out the uh, the um, the little interludes, people speaking. It's not the same album. Well, they have an abridged version on Spotify, which is what I listen to now because I've heard the narrative so much. I understand what the song is about. But I listen to the abridged. But you need to listen to that several times because there's a lot of nuance to it that you need to hear to pick up. And you were talking about your like your favorite lyrics. For whatever reason, this one gets to me. It's the last last verse of um, the Quiet Town. The first crop of hay is up, school let out, and the sun beats down. Smoke billows from a Sunday train that carries away from a, cry, a quiet town. It's basically saying life is a life. There is a is a circle. And you just get in that circle and you stay on it. And um, you kind of, people almost look at that train that's leaving, wishing they were on it. But um, Brendan Flowers just needs to sit down and go, man, I wrote the album of my career. And the sad thing is, David, like what we talked about, so many people, fans that have listened in for years, they, they, they think he released a turd. Yeah. They really do. And you and I see it as the best record of his career. And I, I read that transcript from earlier where we were saying he's never going to top ta- Sam's Town. And he made maybe the greatest record for us of the last five years. Yeah, for sure. And I, I can't stop listening to this thing. And... I will never stop listening to this record. It's that good. I've heard the next one. They're already writing it, and I heard it's supposed to be kind of a throwback sound-wise to the first two albums. And that's fine. If it sounds anything like Samstown or Hot Fuss, I'm all in. I love those records. Mm-hmm. But it's just the last, the last one prior I hated. The album before that was okay. There's a song. There's a song on that exploding the mirage. I really like called blowback. Song number two, but um, yeah, I know that that is good. That's yeah. real good. Well, this was a uh, another good year for music. I I feel like uh, for the last four years, you and I have both been saying we're looking forward to that new Megadeth album. Maybe we'll actually get to hear it. He oh he played a snippet of it to, for somebody on Cameo that he was doing uh-huh. a Cameo for. Man, it's heavy. It's heavy. Uh, he won't say who plays bass. Well, no, David Ellison's not playing bass on it. They scrapped his parts, but there's rumors it was a guy from Testament, but I don't know if that's true or not. Okay, well, while we're doing this, before we wrap up, give me um, give me a few honorable mentions and give me a few uh, looking forward to. Honorable mentions was Candlebox, Wolves. Um the Tedeschi Trucks Band released a live album with Trey Anastasio Fish where they cover the entire Derek and the Domino's Layla album, note for note, which is pretty interesting because Derek Trucks is named for Derek of Derek and the Domino's. That's where his his name came from. Oh, wow. Yeah, because Butch Trucks, a drummer for the Almer Brothers, is his uncle. 
Uh, and so obviously there's connection with Dwayne Allman there. It's really, really good. Uh, top to bottom. Um, let's see. Candlebox. Um, one that had it been a little more consistent all the way through, I would have put on there. Uh, the Mammoth WVH album, the first three songs I really, really liked. It dropped off for me after that. Yeah, that was your original list that you sent to me. Yeah, and I I, I went back and thought about it, and uh, it's like, eh. As far as things I'm looking forward to, um, Chris Robinson says he and Rich have two albums worth of material, and they're going to record with George Draculius, who they did their uh, first album with, first two albums with. We'll see if that comes to light. The Megadeth album, I'm really looking forward to. Um, that Ryan Adams album, Chris, I'm really looking forward to. And uh, the new Killers album. Well, as far as the... Uh, so the Killers is coming out in 2022? Mm-hmm. Man, yeah, I'm checking. I'm looking forward to that one, too. Um, what about Wigwam? Are they putting out a new one? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Well, <laughs> records that I that I that I did really like in this year that I I, I really liked um, Ryan Hamilton twelve twenty one Panopticon and again into the light I liked um, Amigo and the Devil Born Against and I really liked that uh, I can't think of the name of that that Exodus record I thought that was a good like classic thrash metal record as far as 2022 you've already told me that now i'm looking forward to the killers um dan andriano who is from uh alkaline trio hot water music has a new one coming out and zill and ardor which is uh like old black plantation songs mixed with black metal <laughs> right up your alley um I'll believe it when I see it, but Robert Smith says the new Cure album's coming out this year, and I know they're going to tour. He said the out. He said it's two albums, and they're both done. You do know it's supposed to come out in twenty twenty one, right? Right. So I'm I'm just saying I'll believe it when I see it. Um, that would be uh, that would be awesome. What what is what are two? What's one album that really disappointed you? Oh God, let me hold on. Let me try to think about that because I did. I, I kept it. I actually kept a uh, a notes list in here. Oh, I know. This is easy. Iron Maiden. Oh, you didn't like that? Easy. One? No, it's terrible. And, and and all these Iron Maiden fans that are telling you how great it is, and it's like in the top of their list. I'm sorry. They just love Iron Maiden, and that's okay. I do too. Iron Maiden is one of the best metal bands of all time. That album, I'm not going to say it sucks. It's not that good. I mean, it. in my opinion, bottom three of their career. Easy. It, it, it's not even close. Bottom three. Interesting. Interesting. Um, my wife's uncle is a big music nerd like us. And... Uh, every time I see him, which is about twice a year, he'll come up and talk. He listens to the podcast. So, Jeff, how are you? He uh, says, uh, you guys listen to some weird, obscure stuff. And every time he brings up Amigo and the Devil. <laughs> every time he brings up Amigo and the Devil. Hey, it's hey, 
it's Chris. It's not David. So, so show him a little mercy. Yeah. So he gets brought up every, every time he's a big, uh, he's a big prog rock guy, uh, from like the seventies and eighties or whatever. But he was telling me he and his wife, Suzanne's aunt lived in New York when they were really young. And he was just telling me all of these cool, like new wave and alternative bands he got to see when they lived in New York in the early eighties, talking heads and that kind of stuff. But, uh, anyway, it was a, it was a good year. We're at an hour and 45 on this, so we better nip this one. Wow, in the this, bud. Is, this is long for us, man. Yeah. But we promise to do more episodes this year. Uh, we're going to reach out to some more people and, and get back on it. Uh, Chris and I both work in healthcare. It's been kind of a, a wacky time. Uh, the last <laughs> been a wacky last month for me. Uh, and we'll try to get more on a schedule, put out, you know, two a month or something like that. And we, but we just don't want to put one out to put one out. So, you know, good topics and, and good guests. Um, we'll, uh, we'll get them out. How about we do this too, David, anybody that's like got a really, really good topic and one that we agree to come on with us. Yeah. You know, the, the, it was a listener suggested that we do the new adventures in high five and I tagged Chris in the tweet and surprisingly he said he would do it. So we'll get together in a couple of weeks and do that one. Um, there's a guy and I haven't told you about this, Chris, I, I, I'm pretty sure I can get him. He wrote this uh, really good book this year about the drive by truckers. And it was on, I may have been on like on the New York times list for music books for the year. I'm going to reach out to him and, uh, Chris will try to get some more of those guys that he really likes. I said, I, like I said, I'd like to kind of focus on Chris getting to interview those guys that he really likes over, you know, who I really want to interview. So, We'll do more of that. If you have good topic ideas, send them to us. Just tag us on Twitter or Facebook, and we'll look at them. So, Chris, why don't you pick our song to play us out? Oh, man, that is tough. Give me just one second. I and wasn't it, even thinking about that. needs to be Let's something see, off the killer since we both agreed Do you it. really think so? Did, did we, so? Okay, so I think that the when we did the, um, the killers, I want to say that we did... All right, pick something. Pick something. Pick something off an album we agreed on. Then, other than the Killers. Okay, I'm gonna do this then, because I know we did one off the Killers, and I can't think of which one. Let's go, Death Heaven. Mm-hmm. Go with Dylan. Okay. So here is Death Heaven. I never thought I'd say that for one of my albums <laughs> of the year to play us out. Here's Villain. Uh, take care, everybody, and uh, we'll say goodbye to 2021 and talk to you guys soon.